The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. podcast it's over gentlemen we did it a full season full-time whistles games almost every other week delighted for you boys but yeah we're down here at the state football center tommy Dolman in front of me josh chite to the left of me we've witnessed four cracking games of football it's been the longest day of my life <laughs> the yeah, longest, you guys, you guys, the you guys were like almost catatonic by the end of the uh by the end of the amateur cup final in the longest season of my life there was a moment in there where tommy just looked at me and just said mate just go eat some food i was like yeah okay i'll, I'll take a break and go eat some food how much football is too much football kalichi uh, honestly, I'd like to count the amount of games that we've done. And I, I reckon we're like. Didn't didn't Tommy do five the other day though? I mean, like you don't you don't know the half of it, Kalich. Yeah, no, but like Tommy's a seasoned pro. <laughs> Tommy was born in the darkness, <laughs> molded by the darkness. Is there any evidence that you weren't a seasoned pro today, Kalichi? Oh no, there is there, there is plenty of evidence of me not. <laughs> there's plenty of evidence of me not being a seasoned pro today. But it's not about us. It's about the welcome to retired life, Kalich. <laughs> It was good. Retired for his life. No, no, no. Just, I don't think Tommy knows, but yeah, we'll send him the video in the group chat later on. Yeah, Tommy's gonna find out some. Uh, there's, there's been some slips of the tongue, I think, uh, over the, uh, over the day. Uh, some of them from players, some of them from uh, others. And some of them from, uh, from, from officials as well. We're not, we're not all perfect. If I speak, I'm in trouble. But look, we'll start off um, in the big final. Wembley Downs SC three, um, Perth AFC one. Um, we also had a proposal at that game, but we'll talk about that at the end. Tommy Dolman, you had the call alongside me. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I thought it was a um, pretty good performance from um, Wembley Downs. A good team effort. I don't think anybody had had a poor game, and that's exactly what you need in a game like this. You need all hands on deck. You need all eleven players to the pump, uh, and all all hands to the pump. And I think they were led by two midfield players really I thought Chalmers and um, Mello were the two outstanding players on the pitch they gave them that engine room um, they gave them that chance to, to drive forward and they obviously had some impact substitutes come in the likes of Kevin Ponsley who scored late on well, in the second half to make it 3-1 and um, Halil Russo as well who gave them a real outlet on the counter attack late on so it was just basically the, the perfect day for Wembley Downs a, a great team performance uh, even goalkeeper Jeff Cornes saved a penalty and AFC had some nice moments um, of intricate passing around the area little glimpses of um, class within the game but just lacked that punch in the final third I think I thought Dave Brownlee was really good playing up top almost as like a false nine for Wembley in the first half. I thought it was an interesting... I didn't know if he was carrying an injury or something. It was an interesting decision taking him off at half time. But it almost 
sort of ended up working for Wembley Downs. I mean, I think they should have won the game by, by maybe one or two goal more, goals more than they actually did. Halal Russo came off the bench, missed a couple of really good chances that he probably should have buried into the bottom corner. But uh, the, the decision to bring the pacey wingers in Russo and uh, and Puncelli on at halftime to replace uh, Bish, who moved into the middle of the park, and um, and, and Brownlee's and, and move, uh, sort of ch- change Chalmers' position up a little bit as well. You know, I think that ended up doing the trick for them because it just gave them that burst of energy and they're actually able to beat uh, Perth AFC then, then on the counter-attack when Perth AFC, who, who are a counter-attacking team, uh, were, were forced to sort of come out of their shell and, and really approach the game with, with a more aggressive nature. But it was it was interesting in that first half because the, the way that... The way that Wembley caused them problems was on the counter-attack, was on the transition, was when they would press, win the ball, and yeah, then from try mistakes to score. as well. Yeah, it, it wasn't it was, wasn't traditional counter-attack sort of mistakes in the middle of the pitch. No, no but but then again, that like that, that that is what transition transition is all about. Like we've won the ball, are we but we breaking in, and for a lot of that Perth AFC team, they are very experienced. But on the transition, going backwards, look, I, I love Spiro. I think Spiro is great. Played with him a lot, but going backwards, it's it's a different ball game to turn and then be chasing after players. And the amount of times where they were marauding through the pitch, whether it was through um, he also Omar got a pretty, uh, he also got yeah. a pretty uncontestable yellow card about a minute into a minute the game into the well. game, he wanted to let, let the player know that he was there, and he absolutely did. But you know, in, in, in situations like that, that's that's where that's where they had a lot of joy. Now. Allegedly, uh, there was a handball for for one of the goals. We couldn't, I couldn't see it from my angle. Could you see it from your angle, Josh? It looked like a handball. It, looked it was like pretty controversial to me. Yeah. And goals goals do change games. At the same time, I thought Wembley Downs were, were pretty much on top of Perth AFC for the whole of the first half. And you wouldn't have said 2-0 was an unfair scoreline going into halftime. No, you wouldn't have. But, but also, like, the goals that they did score was from that piece of play and from another counterattack. It wasn't like, oh, actually, the, the, the first goal was, was really nice passing down the, down the side and they sent that cross in. And then Jack Mellis finished to make it 2-0. It was a top, top finish. Um, yeah, did Mellor won, won a challenge? So they've locked, they managed to lock AFC in because Mellor, I think, won a challenge when yeah, AFC it was, was breaking a, out. And then, challenge uh, played it up to And, the, and then he sort of ghosted into the box, Ned Zelich style, and, uh, and punted into the top corner. Yeah, and, and like that 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 proved to be the difference. And once you've once you've got that lead, especially in big games like this, you can almost kind of sit back and counter. I was interested to see Wembley's lineup with Tom Bish. Tom Bish played out wide. Usually he is a like centre midfielder, very industrious, big time engine in there. Um, their centre midfielder who was there in the first half. I'm just checking my notes. Norabito, he's also plays in the midfield with them as well. So you, I thought that they'd have that three, um, but at the same time, Chalmers was terrific in there playing in that in, as that third midfielder. So you can understand why he was in there playing kind yeah, of I false think- nine and number ten. But I think what what also stood out was just the acres and acres and acres of space that um, that Marshall had going up up the line, marauding from fullback. I think he won about seven corners in that first half and got into some really good positions and he couldn't do that in the second half. It was interesting to see that as much as you know, it was from counterattacks and mistakes that gave Wembley the lead, it was also counterattacks and mistakes that were going to bring Perth AFC back into the game. Yeah, was it was the the Cisco? I, I think I turned my head on the Cisco Jaquero and I saw the finish. What was the what was the build up to that one? 
just a mistake at the back, um, a, an errant pass, and your query was sort of on hand. It was it was something out of nothing, really, though, for for Perth AFC, given the status of the game. Wembley were looking pretty comfortable with their two goal lead, and um, we were sort of saying on the commentary at the time that we were waiting for a moment of magic or a mistake to happen to give Perth AFC a little bit of momentum in the game. They were able to get that goal back, but obviously they weren't quite um, on point enough to be able to tie the game up and really send a scare down the, the Wembley system. Yeah, Jukic had it hit the crossbar from a, uh, a, a real half chance in, in yeah. the first half as well. Like, it, it, was, it would have been a really well-taken goal, but again, that was a mistake at the back from Wembley Downs. The keeper was out of position. Uh, you know, he hit, uh, I'm not sure if it was J- maybe Jukic, uh, maybe someone else hit the post, which then led to the, the sort of comical penalty with the two Wembley Downs defenders sort of staring at the ball, wondering who was going to kick it. And by the time they came through, they ended up kicking the player instead. Yeah, your Cuero went to grounds and that, that was really the another moment in the game which Perth AFC had. Um, they were presented another opportunity to get a second goal of the day. Um, Jukic stepped up to the penalty spot. I think he almost tried to send goalkeeper Jeff Cornes the wrong way, almost give him the eyes a little bit, but the goalkeeper is obviously very experienced and um, is a veteran of the Sunday leagues, I understand, Kalichi, and he just held his ground, stayed focused, and in the end he was able to read exactly what Jukic was going to do and he made the, made the effective save. Two things about that. Uh, the first thing is we were talking about you know, what Wembley's about, and I said, look, most recently since they won um, the Amateur Cup final, um, in that column Costello team where they beat Gwellup, I think it was 2-1 in the end, uh, that they've been a team known for giving away leads. They've been a team known for just choking it away and then bang, it becomes 2-1 because of an absolute like howler and a mistake and then while it's 3-1, minutes later, a penalty is conceded in the most comical fashion and I'm looking at it being like, this is classic Wembley. This is, this is classic Wembley. This is why like despite having some really good talent and some really good players, you found yourself in places where we know that a goal will come and you'll make a mistake and you'll work hard and you'll fight, but you just won't have the cutting edge. But they managed to have the cutting edge today and they managed to have that luck. And apparently it's always manifested from beforehand. I reckon Jack Muller and um, Mauricio Pochettino are at the same school of of coaching and theory. Before we get to Jack Muller, because he needs a shout out on the pod and he's already got one on the video that you can see on the socials. Let's talk a little bit about Perth AFC. They beat my team, Maccabi, who won uh, Amateur Div 1. They beat Kingsley, who came second by point in Amateur Div 1, also got promoted to Prem. They then came from 2-0 down to beat Kelmscott, uh, uh, who were top four or five in the in the uh, Amateur Premier League this year. Finished fourth, yep. Yeah, so... so you know, they've had the, the miracle run, but for the second year in a row, uh, we've had an underdog get through to the final and fall at the final hurdle. H- had they already played their final before they came into the game? Potentially, um, but I don't think it should distract too much from um, what they've achieved. As you rightly said, Josh, they took some fantastic scalps on en route to this final. Um, they were in the Amateur Division 3 competition last season. They went through the whole campaign undefeated. I think 18 wins and four draws from their 22 games. So they stepped up to Division 2 this year. Um, they finished fourth, so a very respectable finish for them again. I think it was only six points that separated the top four or five sides in that league. So maybe a couple of games go um, in different directions and they could be featuring even in Division 1 next year. So, yeah, as, as you rightly say, Josh, uh, Perth AFC definitely deserve plenty of praise. They're a team that's probably been more 
noted, I suppose, for the futsal side of the, the game that they have sort and of, and, and the women's team. Um, they've obviously got a women's league division, uh, one side who finished runner-up to Hammersley Rovers in that competition this year. So they're certainly a club going in the right direction and uh, it wouldn't surprise me with the quality they have to see them go on another cup run next year. They brought some terrific fans and terrific atmosphere to the game as well. Some dicey chants, the, the classic she fell over one, which is the stupidest chant in football. Um, yeah, GTFO, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so but but going back to that, I, I do think that they may have played their cup final a little bit earlier. And I did touch on this in the podcast is when you do play Division Three and Division Four and Division Two in those lower leagues, the amount of big time competitive games that you face is a lot less. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure when you go into Division One, you probably face five teams who are really, really competitive with you when mm. you're going in there knowing it's going to be a big time battle and big time game. So that might be 10 competitive games you have all year. Whereas you look at the win side playing amateur prems you're playing 22 competitive games 22 very very physical games and we could even see that in the emerald game in the game earlier where the physical the, the level of physicality was just different and kingsley had to step up to that higher level of physicality to kind of progress from there and i think it's a case where they've just had more They've been able to sharpen their eye in a little bit more Wembley by playing more physical games and playing more competitive games throughout the season. Let's get to Jack Mellor. Who on earth proposes in front of a bunch of other people (laughs) to their girlfriend in the middle of the game? And we said it to him. What happens if you said... Sorry, let's start again. In the middle of the game. Let's start again. Firstly, congratulations to Jack Mellor. Congratulations on winning. (laughs) Congratulations on, as he said, I got myself scoring a goal. As he said himself, I got myself a piece of bling. She's got her ring. He said that she's all about the showing and the fanciness and to to do a big public spectacle like that is is, is great for her. The Football West Cup winner's medal or the uh, engagement ring? Definitely the engagement ring. As, as someone who's had to sell an engagement <laughs> ring, it definitely costs a lot more. See, I, see, I thought, see, I thought I'd never seen one man make it more about himself than uh, when you got a a, uh, a a guard of honor for your final game of amateur football in Perth, Kalichi. Uh, and, sorry, then I've, sorry, and then sorry. I've seen... When you said one man make it more about himself, do you think I said, guys, give me a guard of order? Is that what you're trying to insinuate? That's my head cannon. How would you... How on earth... What, what kind of sicko do you think I am? <laughs> what kind of sicko do you think I am? I, I saw the, the Wembley players lining up after the... After the, well, as, the present, as you were about to give the presentations and you've... I think maybe you cottoned on a little bit before yeah, I, got, I did I got told, I got told Archilucci, by the way, that the captain wants to propose to his girlfriend. And I was like, should we try to talk him out of it? <laughs> that was the first thing that I thought about. And then, and Think then, about the rest of your life, Jack. And it was crazy because he's got all these guys running into the changing room to go get this guy's ring. And we're all just stopped there waiting for this to happen. But seriously, in all seriousness, congratulations to, to Jack and his new fiance. Um, wish you all nothing but the best. And if he continues to manifest some stuff, then, then that's terrific, I suppose. Yeah, that, I, I wonder if he's planned like the wedding to be like the day after the league finishes next year and he's manifesting the league title for Wembley or can, something. Can I just say, when you put it that way, I respect it. I respect it. He's waited till the season was over and he's got the job done. And as soon as the season was over, he went and got the job done. He's not, he's not, you, he's not in ga- getting engaged. He's not getting married in the middle of the season. Nah. Well, we don't know yet. but uh, Smart man. 
I, I, I trust him to do the right thing. I, I tell you what, in classic Wembley fashion, we'll move on from this, but in classic Wembley fashion, I bet he's going to get married next year in a lovely wedding ceremony. It'll be in the middle of June. They'll be in a <laughs> title-winning championship, and then they'll have 12 guys missing <laughs> for, for the big game. Um, but in the, in the other game, we'll go to the reserve game. It was it finished Emerald 2 and they played Kingsley Westside, and that finished 2-1 as well. Um, Tommy, do you recall any parts of that game? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I thought that Emerald were the team who capitalised in the moments when they were presented to them. There was a fantastic goal, first two minutes of the game. Um, I think it was Andrew Patton off the top of my head uh, who got the goal. He cut inside from the left and just rifled in this goal of the day, I reckon. Dry, absolutely. This drive from around 25 yards out. Goalkeeper had absolutely no chance. And from that place, you know, oh, sorry, from that point, you know, you've got a goal to defend. You can sort of be physical. You can go into challenges that little bit firmer. You can, you've got something to defend from that point. And I thought Kingsley Westside were actually pretty good. They had a lot of possession. They had a lot of moments through Rubidge and through um, Jamie Foster in particular, but they just didn't quite have that final ball and they couldn't quite get the chances provided to Craig Cunningham in, in good enough positions. Obviously, Cunningham then went to defence later in the, the game. Uh, he actually put the free kick in for Osrin Couture to head in a goal with around about 10 minutes to play, which gave Emerald, uh, sorry, which gave Kingsley Westside a lifeline in the game and some reward for the endeavour that they put in throughout the day. But they fell just a little bit short. And um, look, we know that this Emerald team are a very good side. Um, they won the Amateur Reserves Cup last year as well with a 2-1 victory over North Beach. So... Yeah, having done the double last year. So they're back-to-back now in the um, Reserves Cup. And you guys have just mentioned it before, how difficult it is to go on a cup run while balancing a league season. So for Emerald to do that two years in a row, I think is a phenomenal achievement. And I'm sure the mighty Quinn and Yokine is going to be packed to the rafters tonight in celebration. And they uh, and the first team obviously won the league last week as well. So a pretty impressive season for Emerald as a club and also a pretty impressive season for Kingsley Westside. I think they won amateur Div 1 reserves. They came second in amateur Div 1 first team and then they've just come runner-up in the Amateur Reserves Cup and then obviously all the accolades, the State League team uh, and, and the State League program has won this year going up to State League Division 1. So, I mean, I think we've spoken at length about how Kingsley Westside's progressed as a club and how impressive uh, they've been this year as a, as a whole unit. So I don't know if we need to go too far into that, but, um, you know, they, they put up a fight against a higher division team in the final and... Uh, you know, on another day, maybe they, they find a little bit of something special to take it to penalties. And I mean, that's 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 where it is, right? Like, you go down 1-0 in a big game and it's an absolute screamer, which you, you don't necessarily legislate for. They haven't broken you down. They haven't, you know, um, you haven't made an error, so to speak. And then you're battling in the game, battling in the game, battling in the game. And then it's... Um, yeah, it's 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 a moment of a. I think it's a counter attack that ends up happening um, for the second goal to happen, where he lobs it over the goalkeeper. That's, oh no, that's no, it was, uh, it was Craig Cunningham and uh, Michael Galal. I think ran into each that's other. That's right, they ran into each they, other for the throw, and they're they're arguing with each other, going, "What the hell's happened?" And it's they've a taken a the quick throw. Dunbar gets in behind. I mean, Dunbar's 
pretty high quality for a reserve centre forward. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, he's put that cross in for Pollock, who was really good. I don't know if he started or he came off the bench. Pollock but... came off the bench, but he's been a first-team player for a lot of the season. He's played first-team yeah. reserves. And again, you, 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 look at, you look at the likes of Pollock, who I think, I think he's double figures when you look at total goals between the first team and the, and the reserves. But that's just the quality that they've had. It was this a tidy year finish as well. That little, that little flick over the goalkeeper and then to, to got it on the half volley into the open net. And look, we talk about the, um, sorry, we talk about the amount of progress that's been had by, by Kingsley Westside. And at the same time, we've also got to just recognize the amount of progress that has happened from um, the likes of, of Emerald because We've said it before, um, that team started off 10 years ago as a as a hub football league team, as an amateur, uh, not, not, not even the socials. They've then gone from the socials. They've now progressed um, and they are playing for trophies. And the work that the likes of Damien Stack has done, the likes of Fergal Corey has done, um, even Tommy Murphy, who's no longer in WA, but as one of the founding members who kind of set the, 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 set the, the dream and, I, and the idea in motion has been superb. So give them all of the, all of the, the kudos there. It is really, really difficult to win trophies. There's only one team that wins a trophy sometimes sometimes one team wins every single thing but the fact that they have stayed winning trophies two last year two again this year it's, it's superb to them it's actually not just difficult winning trophies it's difficult to survive like if you look at how many clubs formed when we had the mining boom on and all these people came to wa we had clubs like backpackers who you played for we had clubs like liberties or another irish club who formed and made their way into the amateur leagues and they're not even around anymore so for emerald and, and east perth and people also look at the likes of bb united as well well, you know. Yeah, you know, teams that disappear all the time. So, in, and you look at East Perth, and I think sometimes you see idiots criticise them online, saying, "Oh, they got up by default because uh, Morley couldn't play the game, uh, the the playoff game this year, so they're in state league by default. They got into prem by default because they came third. But you're punishing them for surviving. <laughs> yeah, but, but like the reason they go up is because other clubs aren't able to to keep it together and stick around. And, and it's impressive that not only are they surviving and staying around and building a community, but, you know, they're also competing at a high level year on year. Yeah. Um, and in the third game was the Metro Women's Cup final. An, an interesting game because... Um, Sorrento took the early lead. They were playing against Fremantle. They took an early lead with a Jade Keogh, like just masterclass in the first half where she had a couple chances to score. She scores the first one just counter-attacking on the break for Sorrento um, and then they get it level in the just before halftime Fremantle, Tommy. Yeah, Zoe Andreich with a free kick from the left. Um, goalkeeper was beaten at the near post. Maybe a little bit disappointed with that one, but Andreich's left foot was threatening throughout the day. Her delivery from set pieces and was was generally pretty good. And so it wasn't a surprise necessarily to see her hit one pretty sweetly and, and find the back of the net. And... Um, after that, um, an own goal put them in front and then there was a great finish from Jessica Mitchell um, to make it 3-1. High rising shot into the roof of the net and I know you boys caught up with her so you can go and catch up with with uh, that interview over on the socials. And then Jade Keogh pulled another one back to make it 3-2 pretty late in the piece. Too late though for Sorenzo to really launch another attack and send the game to penalties. But I thought Fremantle City were probably the better team on the whole of the game. Um 
they just had some players. Uh, Josh was speaking to me about it actually after the full time whistle. There's some girls in that team in that Frio side who um, are very strong and and are potentially better than the metropolitan level that they had been playing at in the league this season. But a little bit of a weird year for them because they actually came into the women's league division one competition after um, Armadale pulled out of the the second tier. So. A bit of a weird season for them, I suppose, separated into two areas. But what it did end with is a third successive belt-up Metropolitan um, Cup win for that team. And we were only talking before about Emerald and how hard it is to win trophies and how hard it is to sustain um, cup runs season upon season. So whilst praising Emerald for two in a row, even more praise deserved for Fremantle for making it three on the bounce. Yeah, I thought um, you, you spoke about some of those players. I thought Ashley Byrne was head and shoulders above every other player on the pitch. The number 10 for, well, she wore number eight, I think, but she was playing the number 10 for Fremantle City. Um, she was she was absolute quality and definitely a player. You could see potentially slotting into a squad player in an, in an MPLW or MPLW reserves team. Um, the... Uh, you know Sorrento you know a lot of huff and puff I don't think it was their their top team because I think a top team plays in women's division one which uh, which who would have been in the women's state cup whereas uh, because Freo only moved into uh, division one later in the season they were already in the metro cup draw so it was it was a bit of a, a mismatch football wise but I think that the quality of the program and instruction there and the coaching at Fremantle was obviously very very good um, and uh, you know they played some terrific football throughout the course of the game and, and uh, you know Sorrento obviously were able to get that early lead and also stick in the game because they had some live wires you know you can do roll off roll on sub so I'm not sure if she was tired or hurt or, or what the reason for it for was uh, Keo spent a lot of time on the bench and, and you almost feel like if they'd had the opportunity if, if they'd had that that, uh, that that sort of option to play during the early parts of the second half where she could use her pace to get in behind Frio's high line and and potentially nab that goal to go two one up you know I, I I don't I don't know if that was the right move to to have her off for such a long period of time yeah she was she was the obvious out ball like we were talking about those weapons that Wembley had coming off the bench the pace to sort of keep the keep them countering up the field and and that's what Keo clearly was um, two pretty nicely taken goals in the end but um, unfortunately not enough for Sorrento but um, they were also a team who were promoted last season um, out of the I always get these mixed up the women's central league division three I think they won 20 games out of 20 and this year they earned promotion and finished respective, uh, respectfully in mid-table. So, yeah, props to them. And um, Josh mentioned the State League side that they do have in Division 1. It's it's something that Sorrento are clearly trying to put a bit of work into, having hosted, um, also hosted Hazy as part of the Women's World Cup earlier in the year. Um, they're obviously growing um, their female side of the game, and I think that's a positive thing in general. No, absolutely a positive thing. And I was just going to add to that that... I, I think for the coach in that situation, he was trying to give as many players as many minutes as he as he potentially could because um, I I know I know Jade like by by proxy and know that she is super 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 fit and there are other players on the team not as fit as her who kind of spent the entire time on the bench, uh, entire time on the pitch and I was just looking at it going, mate, you need this outlet and for about 10, 15 minutes at the start of the second half we were going, it's all Fremantle here, you can't get out, you need an outlet and you'd rather have this outlet as someone you can go to to make it 2-1 than someone that you need to have on to make it 
2-2 or to make it 3-2 as it was the case um, but yeah congratulations to Fremantle they, they deserved it and I yeah, think one of the team one. I think one of the cool <laughs> I think one of the <laughs> cool, I think one of the coolest things about, about that game was that Fremantle side was saying that there were a couple of players who've been playing with each other for 15 years and that's just that's just awesome to see that you can have that longevity of career and still be winning stuff um, and the final game was a game close to your heart Josh a team you're very very fond of and know very very well was yeah, the Cal yeah, yeah. Cooley Boulder um, coming back and I'm pretty sure it was 3-1 or was it 2-1? 2 nil. 2-0. Long day. Long day. I knew, I knew it was two clear goals thanks to the gambling. Um, it was 2-0 two, two and um, yeah, it was an interesting game because the first half was really, really tight. Not a whole lot happened. You could see the nerves of the players and we kept talking about how that Kogoli bowler side didn't quite have the same amount of experience as the Perth side. Um, the Rodriguez brothers were running amok and um, oh, what is his last name? Jace Riley. Jace Riley. Um, clearly the best player for Boulder, but they just had a master. Sorry, I'm going I'm I'm to stop you there, Kalichi. No, no, Kalichi. I have to stop you there because you, you're butchering this stuff because Kalgoorlie College... They were, they were, no, it was Kalgoorlie College My bad. and the team I played for who were their, their massive like big rivals who we played in uh, in, in, in same same they're all four the grand here. finals all of, which, all of which all of which we Cal won while I was so there no no no, no 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 Kalichi didn't they win the quadruple have your team ever won the quadruple uh, well we never entered the Metropolitan Cup we preferred to get smashed by so Western Knights no? in the uh, in the Australia Cup is that no <laughs> but um, but no it, it was it, it's always good to see a, a Kalgoorlie team succeed especially since they have a really hard cup run every time they register for the cup because they know that they've got to play every single game away from home so they've won huge effort yes yeah, so they've won maybe maybe five they don't they don't get drawn at home i think there have been times before where they may have been drawn at home and uh they, and the other team has, has forfeited um which is just a pretty common thing you know people don't want the uh, the trip out to gold bar um but uh you know you know it's a big achievement for them so the last time they won it was in 2013 i think they made the final the year before that as well um so for them you know it's it's a very big deal and uh as you spoke about you know jace riley you know player who could play at a higher level out here but but you know chooses to live at, at home in kalgoorlie and uh, they had a couple other players who stood out as well tommy yeah, 50 goals in all competitions this season for Riley. So, um, yeah, he was always looming as a game-breaker on the day. I thought this game was was pretty tight. And it was a bit of a running theme, really, for the losing sides. I thought throughout all four games, I thought there was some moments where Perth looked dangerous. But then when it came to the final third, they just didn't quite have it. It was the same for Kingsley West side. It was the same uh, in the last game with Perth AFC maybe less so in the Fremantle-Sorenzo game where Fremantle were clearly the better side. But there was just that, like you said, the two Rodriguez brothers, um, Luis and, and Juan, were very dangerous throughout. They got on the ball quite well, but it was just that pass which was lacking. And, um, yeah, eventually it took something special to break the deadlock. The cross came in from the left and bowed to Sarah. Nice technique on the volley. That was an awkward one for him to hit, but he hit it with real power to get it on target. And then the second goal um, came after 
Well, it was a little bit controversial, I suppose, with the way it shook out. Hilarious. I'll let, I'll let you tell us about that one. Firstly, back on Baldessera, I love the way that he celebrated because he celebrated like a man who's used to scoring goals every single week and it's the most normal, natural thing and he just run back to the middle of the field and get on with it. That's not how he celebrated at all. He went absolutely crazy. He geared it up to the crowd and he even gave, put the, the shirt over his jersey and then gave the, uh, the old Carlos Spencer underarm salute to the, to the fans, which technically speaking, two bookable offenses in that celebration. He only um, got one. He only got, he only got a yellow card for one. But the second, the second um, goal happens because Rodriguez is down with cramp and he looks over and he sees that it is Jace Riley and he says, mate, can you, can you help me stretch? And Jace Riley man of the people starts helping him stretch while he's down for cramp. But the ball's in play the whole time. But the ball is in play the whole time. So none of the Perth lads kick the ball out. The ball's in play the whole time and he is stretching the opposition player. Now a pass gets played through and Jason looks over it and sees that if he gets on the end of this, he's through on goal. He intercepts the pass and it's now through on goal, scores, and the Perth lads are going, mate, we had a player down. Why didn't you kick the ball out? And he's going, I was helping the guy out. You could have kicked the ball out, but you didn't. So it's one well, of those also, ones also, where... Also, the Perth left back has vacated his post. He has, he has abandoned the castle. It's just, it's one of those ones where like, you can't fault him for scoring that goal because he's done the right thing in the first place and help the player out to do the stretching. But at, at to, to what cost am I going to stop and, and not seal this cup final win for my boys? No one's going to remember uh, it's going to have an asterisk on it because he didn't help the because he didn't kick the ball out of play. In five years' time, he's going to just show the video of him scoring that goal. And, um, and the same thing in, 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 in terms of the person who scored the first goal and just celebrated wildly. Uh... I guess you're going to do uh, any more for any more pretty soon. I, I've got to say, I was amused how many balls we lost in the, how many in the cup count? final. How many I counted count? four. And I was counting <laughs> after the third one. I was like, I turned to you. I was like, Kalichi, that's three. That's three. And then the fourth one went up and I just put four fingers up and it was like and, and it was the, the most agricultural clearance as well because it's literally by the sideline and you could just tap it in you could just tap it out and we get back to play game position but the guy I think it was Tom Bush he just wellied it right out of the park I just felt sorry for uh, all the football staff who had to go running after obviously the home team's not in charge of the balls when you come to the state football centre uh, well look we'll start now and any more for any more Tommy Dolman no, that's everything. Um, yeah, final Football West games of 2023 and it's been an absolute blast and, um, yeah, been fun covering the games with you boys as well. Really enjoyed it and, um, yeah, um, we thought that last year couldn't get any more fun and any more exciting after that last-ditch Florida Athena winner and we've had some real good times in the MPL men's and women's and also we wrap up with a pretty fun amateur cup final day so been a pleasure doing it with you boys and uh, we'll see you in 2024 after a bit of a break Josh Chai a well deserved long break Josh Chai any more for any more? you're going to abuse people for being loved and cherished by their football clubs and given guard of honours I'll never stop abusing you Kalichi it's what makes the world go round <laughs> But uh, but but if we do have any more for any more, and I'm sure you'll you'll touch on this, but I think we've got a, a little bit of special stuff coming up. The awards uh, yep. are going to be coming up. Obviously, we'll find out from Football West who the gold medal winners are as well. Games. Yeah, we've got the para games that will be happening at the State Football Centre this week. I'm pretty sure the games start on Wednesday. We may or may not be doing something cool and sneaky that you might get to listen to. Um, and 
from me, just huge thank you for all of you for listening. Thank you to Football West staff for allowing us to um, be in the office and, and kind of play this last one out. Thank you to to Josh and to Tommy for being here and doing these full-time whistles. Unless we've... I don't think you have guys um, mind doing it. It's not like you have anything better to do. <laughs> uh, thank you, listeners, for always being there and supporting us. Um, it's been a great season for us. We've added this full-time whistle podcast and seen the numbers grow. Um, so hopefully you can be there to support us and sponsor, well, and hopefully sponsor us for next season as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. The season is long and, and full of terrors, and I'm glad that it's all done. And I'll finish off by saying, oh, Wembley Downs is wonderful, or oh, Wembley Downs is wonderful. It's full of, and the downers, or oh, Wembley Down is wonderful. They call themselves the Downers. They call themselves the Downers.